you are listening to an episode of Back Row Movie News. The podcast name and scope has changed. It is now the Broken Record Podcast, uh, but you can still enjoy the past episodes of Back Row Movie News on this feed. Make sure you follow uh, the Broken Record Podcast or Podcast Broken Record. Depends on what social media site on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for updates on future episodes. What's going on, you guys? Welcome to the for tuning in into Back Row Movie News and The Alien Legacy. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to basically try and explain pretty briefly why exactly Alien 3 resonates so much with me, as opposed to when I first saw it or when it was first released. And that's going to be right here on Back Row Movie News. The film itself still has me conflicted in ways. It was a wild pivot from Aliens. It was plagued with some of the more notable production issues in cinema history. Yet, nowadays, the movie is regarded by some fans as really a masterpiece. I definitely feel that way, even though the film can be clunky. The story had such a winding journey to the screen and once it was released, it was so diluted but now that we have been able to sit in the Alien 3 stew for the past 28 years, which, by the way, it is crazy that the film is nearly 30 years old. Holy shit! I think it is clear that one thing radiates from the film, and it draws me in. Darkness. I already said that the film was a wild pivot from Aliens. Jimmy Cameron turned Ellen Ripley into an action icon and gave her a pseudo-family to blossom with. Her future still had questions, but at the end of his film, she had plenty of hope and love. Alien 3 opens with the burning and drowning of that hope and love. Hicks dies from previous injuries and new acid damage, and he drowns in his cryotube, as well as Newt drowning in her sleep. As they died, Ripley was face-hugged and impregnated with the xenomorph embryo, a queen. Her aircraft is compromised and she ends up being jettisoned in an EEV capsule with her new family's corpses landing on a shithouse of a planet, Furiona 161. A half-decommissioned prison planet with a population only made up of males. Males who are serving life sentences for their heinous crimes. So before the story really starts, Ripley has already been dragged back down to the bottom circle of hell. Yoinked directly from the stars, literally, down to the lowest metaphorical low there is. The opening is one of impressive sadness. It took me a long time to get there, but once I got to enjoying Alien 3, I realized that the producers Walter Hill, David Geiler, director David Fincher, and writers Vincent Ward and Larry Ferguson, and actress Ellen Ripley, all ended up deciding to go down one of the most heartbreaking and bold paths in cinema history. It sounds a little dramatic, I know, but I do mean that. Ripley has come so far at this point in her life. From where she started, a space trucker just trying to get home from an ore refinery to see her daughter to make it in time for her 11th birthday, to the last hope for humanity. Well, if you ignore the expanded universe. Xenomorphs everywhere! 
Ripley takes on an almost Christ-like role in her final true adventure as the original Ellen Ripley. Well, the allusions to Christ can also be argued when she's resurrected in Alien Resurrection, but let's ignore that entry for now. In Alien 3, she sort of leads her disciples on one last crusade against the devil itself. She is even betrayed by one, Morse, that leads to her death. In a way, that's a bit of a stretch. Her disciples, although numbering more than 12, are violent prisoners, sinners, seeking restitution and forgiveness on a lonely and forsaken planet where their second chance comes in the form of their newfound faith. Ripley battles valiantly, but as Jesus was nailed to the cross, she's cornered on that control tower. She falls to her fiery death, arms spread and legs locked, together in the form of a cross. As she dies to save everyone else to save the universe, she gives birth to the unholiest creature to exist in that universe. Oh yes, the dragon or the snake that is trying to corrupt them all is killed in water raining down, so it's as if holy water was bathed upon the demon, expelling it back to hell. Bishop 2 is one last form that the devil takes to tempt the protagonist. Now that's not exactly how the Bible tells it, but I think, I hope you see what I'm getting at when I sort of incoherently lists some of the possible allusions to the Bible and religion in the story. My point by listing those ideas out is to illustrate just how dark that they went with the screenplay. I find it funny because it feels like from the very beginning there were a few different scripts and uh, this is something that's been covered in many different mediums especially on the Perfect Organism podcast, one of their episodes of In Defense of Alien 3 if you want several of their episodes of In Defense of Alien 3 if you want a little more history on the scripts. But there was there was something like 15 or more scripts written by various writers. A lot of them at one point ended up being on the same wavelength as the final product. A depressing finale for one of the strongest and hardest fighting characters we ever have or probably ever will know. Ripley is definitely given a good and proper ending. Don't get that wrong. Just because it's so doom and gloom doesn't mean that she didn't have a hell of a story in the film that was resolved in the only way it felt like it could be. But why make this movie? Yes, it is a horror franchise that didn't shy away from heavy themes and imagery in the previous two films. But still, it was a cash cow and they could have just as easily gone after a story that was more... franchisey. Something sort of akin to William Gibson's now famous script, one that's been adapted into comic books and audio dramas. Uh, just, you know, go in the extra mile with that and, and have Ripley, Newton, Hicks together trying to preserve their newfound family, get out from under Waylon Yutani's thumb, and rid the universe of these monsters. I realize now that I would have hated it if that's the kind of story that came out, but still, there was more money and more sequels to be made from something along those lines, I would think. Instead, Guyler and Hill, after all the production issues, really, really took the script home and they pulled together a Frankenstein's monster sort of story. And in it, they, in doing so, they proved that they do care about these movies and the Ripley character. Alien 3 is an art house film, and you can't tell me otherwise. Alien walks the line between higher form of art and popcorn flick because it's made so damn well but it still has an amazing commercial appeal to it. Aliens is still a hell of a film, just not quite the one that I think has an air of being high art. I mean, like, it is, but, you know, I prefer Alien. 
and Alien 3. Alien 3 just really pulls it all out. No matter how sloppy the process was, the film has so much depth and the directing and acting somehow really shines through. Because if I stop to think for a little while, I can really see some of the ideas and meaning that Fincher and the writers really had in mind. It, like literally almost all studio films, has a very strong grip on film language and how to get its themes across. But it it does have those gaudy themes that are important. You you have to, if you're able to get a theme across, that's one thing. But you have to have something you're saying, some something at the heart of your film. And I think Alien 3 has that. The film really stands as a risk when I think about it. They wanted to go back to the horror of Ripley versus one single alien. But to do so, they ripped the proto-family she left the second film with straight out of her hands and her heart. Out of our hands and heart. It is honestly, at times, really shocking to watch the two films back to back. What's the point of playing it safe at that point, though, after Aliens? I mean, Alien wasn't the most, it isn't the most standard franchise ever. It is one you can argue didn't need to become a franchise, but it did, and the first three films work so well and are on three completely different planes of existence. The trilogy ends on, dare I say, the perfect note set on a dark and depressing, barely-functioning prison planet with a haunting and beautiful score by Elliot Goldenthal, the film does not relent through its entire runtime. It is respectful, and it is a eulogy to my hero, Ellen Ripley. Everything was taken from this woman. This woman I've grown to love over the years and through the films. She's depressed and broken through her sentence, so to speak, on Fury 161, and she dies her way. She makes the choice. Fuck everybody. The company, the xenomorphs, anyone and anything else who has a problem with her or who wants to use her for their own purposes. She makes the ultimate sacrifice and goes out how she wants to, how she needs to, as her own person. She, like the filmmakers behind Alien 3, was not afraid of the dark. She embraced it in the end. Well, that about wraps it up for today, you guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. In the meantime, you can go subscribe to our YouTube channel, drop a comment down below. Let us know how you feel about today's content or anything you want to bring to the discussion. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Backworld Movie News for updates on upcoming videos coming to you guys. And also, you can visit BackworldMovieNews.com for news updates from this guy, Two Thumbs. 